Do you ever find yourself reacting with overblown drama to everyday mishaps that seemingly send you over the edge? Do you feel like you have buttons on the outside of you that people routinely know how to push that send you into irritation, anger, depression, frustration? Well, you're going to love my guest today, Dr. Tracy. She is going to spell out for you what emotional strength is and how you get it so that you can tone down those reactions, get control of yourself, and take the actions that will lead you to the successes that you want in life. She's going to spell out for you how to be emotionally free and she's going to tell you how this will improve your physical health as well. Stay tuned. This episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio is brought to you by The Shine Shake. It's the breakfast replacement shake with 17 grams of clean vegan protein. It has clean caffeine from the Kona coffee bean. It helps to balance your hormones and improve your immune function. It's more than just a protein powder in delicious latte flavor available at KieranDunstonMD.com. Hey, it's Dr. Karen here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is Dr. Tracy Thomas, is an award-winning psychologist and the world's leading expert on emotional strength training. She is the best-selling author of The Method, The Practical Path to Living Your Life's Purpose and Potential. Dr. Tracy gets results with executives, leaders, and celebrities equipping them with the epic emotional strength they need to succeed. She can help you take charge of your life and put you on the path to success in what you want to accomplish. It is her life's quest to train the first emotionally educated generation worldwide. I love it. Welcome, Dr. Tracy. It's great to be with you. I'm so excited for us to get to just share to get today with all that we are in alignment with. So this is great. Yes, and so I'm just, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm trying to think, what do we want to talk about first? <laughs> Let's talk about first, what is emotional strength? Because I think a lot of people don't know. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I didn't know when a long time ago when I really didn't have the amount of it that I needed. And so emotional strength is, is a lot of things. One of the pieces of it is the ability to remain in a consistently elevated emotional state, right? So that all of our cognitive capacity can work, all of our focus, all of our connection and attention to what we're doing, and, and also our ability to experience things without all kinds of external stimulus changing our emotional state all the time, distracting us, causing reactions that are obvious and some that aren't. Mm -hmm. And emotional strength is that ability to really have an, an internal state that you maintain regardless of external stimuli. So you can buffer your emotions and reactions to keep you on track in your life to what it is that you're creating and contributing. Yeah, I love that. So it's basically being in 
externally directed and being in control of your emotions. And, you know, I'm excited to talk to you because this really has been something that I've really been working on myself um, recently. And so that's why I'm so excited to hear your input because I had noticed how buffeted about I would be by external circumstances causing me to feel certain ways and then I couldn't feel the way I wanted to feel and accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And so I've really put a microscope on, well, why is this? And this really doesn't make sense and how to, how to turn it around. And I heard your story of how you came to be interested in this. So can you tell everyone a little bit about how you became interested, why you became an expert in this and why you're so passionate about it? Well, Dr. Karen, I'm so glad that you connect to this and relate to this because yeah. what I found over all of my career and my lifetime of being what, what I call a highly driven, emotionally sensitive person, mm -hmm. right, is that there's a population of us in the world. We're the people who care so deeply that we're here to heal, we're here to treat, we're here to tend to and address what ails you know humans and, and humanity and at the same time those of us that are the most emotionally sensitive and can care at that level to like make all of these improvements we're also the ones that can be really uh inhibited by that same depth of emotional empathy and sensitivity it can cause us to have all kinds of reactions while we simultaneously want we care so much on a purposeful level, but then we simultaneously are reacting to everything externally around us. And as a person from my from the youngest of ages who was just outgoing and rambunctious and just all about, you know, helping people, it was just my nature, I also started to learn pretty quickly how you know difficult life was i would feel things so intensely from the time i was little i would just you know anything my mom or dad would say or not say it would be amplified and i didn't know that at the time but everything was just so intense regardless of how what great grades i got or regardless of being great on all my teams or whatever there was this whole inside experience that I, I was just deeply struggling with. I had anxiety, depression. I started having an eating disorder all by the age of 12. Mm, and wow. then by the age, by the time I was in my 20s, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, Hashimoto's thyroid. Mm, mm. And years later, as I realized what all of this was, because the physicians and the good providers, well-intended providers that were trying to help me, they really weren't putting these pieces together. When I looked at all of it, I realized that so many of my physiological health issues mm -hmm. were caused or they were, they were um, catalyzed or, you know, and, and then they were exacerbated by all of my emotional reactivity. And I just knew I had to just learn what it took to be an emotionally sensitive, highly driven people, driven person who could totally buffer all of those reactions so that I could just stay focused on all the important things that I knew I was here to do. Because otherwise, I felt even more depressed if I couldn't do those things. 
Right, so you realized this early that you were having this reactivity. It took me a little bit longer, but um, <laughs> you found, realized that and then came about to develop, how do you develop emotional strength? So I know in your book you outline the, the steps and you have a lot of practices. You have so much support that you offer people, which is wonderful. Um, you talk about something in the book, which I love, which you don't typically hear people talk about. I remember the first time I heard it was definitely in the past decade, but this fact that you have a relationship with yourself. <laughs> and so can you talk about that? Because I don't think most people, I think they get it like on a superficial level, but can you talk about what that is? Yeah, it's a really great point here. A long time ago, uh, I started to realize that a lot of what I was reacting to, what you know, all this external stuff, whether it be in relationships or whatever was going on in my life, you know, I, I'd heard years earlier adults talking around me saying, "Well, you know, he's the common denominator or she's the common denominator," and I kind of extrapolated that forward and realized at one point that, you know, I was upset about a boyfriend who had been lying to me. Oh and, all, you know, I had this epiphanal moment like, well, Tracy, you're lying all the time because without realizing it, you're presenting a mask to the world. You're doing things that sure you care about, but not, this is not really who you are if you were not afraid to absolutely be that person. And I realized that my relationship with myself was the absolute reflection. Everything that was happening was information about how I treated myself. So if I lied to myself, if I lied to myself that I wanted to do a job that I didn't want to do, of course I would have that in my life, right? That's just what's present. If I abused myself by overeating, mm -hmm. then other people would not treat me as well. And I went on this path of saying, oh my gosh, I want all this closeness with people, all these great relationships, but I don't even have one with myself. So I spent a full year creating, like dating myself, becoming deeply intimate with myself and finding out that I was the freaking greatest person that I've ever <laughs> been looking for. And, and that changed everything because the relationship with yourself is not superficial and it's not just about spas and right. candles in the bathtub it's much more it's much more detailed than that in every step that you take every thought that you have and it's been a total game changer for myself and, and everyone that i've worked with yeah, I, I think it is a game changer. Uh, I know for me this concept and really really getting that the, that how I handle my thoughts, how I handle my emotions, how I treat myself, um, and all the things that you're talking about absolutely affect, well, how I feel about myself, my self-esteem, how I, how productive I am, how successful I am, but also are continually mirrored outside. And I think that most of us I didn't really get this, like I said, until the past yeah. decade, um, that exactly what you say, that if you say you're going to do something and commit to it, but you're constantly breaking your commitments to yourself, 
that then you're not trustworthy. So you attract people who are not trustworthy. So right. I think that it's in particular in terms of becoming healthy, you really have to look at, I, you know, that top of the pyramid step for me is thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And you really have to start with looking at your relationship with yourself. And so that's something that I work with women on. Most of them have never heard of this. <laughs> so I love that you talk about that. And then you talk about also radical self-inquiry. And I don't think that's something that people are familiar with, which I love. So talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So those, it's perfectly segued to what you were just saying, which is that, you know, that, that example about the commitments you make to yourself, right? Which is like, I have an intention. I'm going to create something. I'm going to produce something, whatever it is. I'm going to experience something. What happens is all we end up totally other directed. Like we end up experiencing life through the filter of other people. So I'll just use a perfect example. Any time, like a simple example, any time I notice myself irritated or having like a condition irritated response for, about my husband for years and years and years, all I need to know in that moment is like, okay, he's not doing something this way or this way that I want to. All I need to know is that I can literally say, okay, Tracy, so this is the radical self-inquiry. I'll say, oh, okay, so that's really about you. So where is that that you're doing that? And I'll be like, oh, it's over here in this section of my life that I'm doing something like that. It may not be apples to apples, but oh, that's what's going on. And then what I'll do, instead of getting in his business trying to make him a certain way so that I can feel a certain way internally, I will go, oh, that's my cue to upgrade that part of myself. And then not so coincidentally, I'm doing that and then it elevates everything around me. Then I notice my husband's now feeding off of the very way in which I'm conducting myself and behaving and all of a sudden he's moving along in some process that before I was, I was like struggling with this external piece. The radical self-inquiry is what I feel is the most fun because it makes me giggle all the time. You know, if I'm feeling a reaction, it's like, oh, okay, what's that about for me? And I just have a chuckle about it because in the old days, I would have been like, I got to fix you. I got to get you to be this way. I got to have a 10-hour conversation with you and then hope that you change, even though I'm the reason I'm frustrated with this in the first place. That makes sense, Dr. Right. And so what you're talking about, though, I think requires a huge mind shift for most people. Because, you know, if you watch any sitcom or drama on TV and you watch how most of us interact, I know I did for many, many years, we are very much other-centered and other-directed. And we very much have this mindset that, other people cause my irritation and they need to stop doing what they're doing for me to be okay. But really that's a recipe for insanity. Making people sick, making everyone sick. Yeah. Yes. And it's making us sick. And I think that we're coming into this phase now where people are waking up to the fact that no, this isn't true. I create my reality. I create my own irritation. But for anyone listening who's saying, wait a minute, ladies, 
Of course, other people irritate me. Of course, they need to stop doing that. How do you, what do you, how do you educate someone and get them to make that big shift? Because it's a shift from other responsible to I'm responsible. Right. It's about recognizing that we don't want a hostile environment in our own being, right? A hostile environment where we are constantly reacting and also really outsourcing, like if I can shape this over here, then I can change this inside here, right? That's a real big sphere of influence that you have to do in order to just keep yourself at a nice, what I call elevated, which isn't high, it's just a nice consistent mood and state of focus and attention. This outsourcing of all of this means that there'll always be some stimulus of, of some kind and that theoretically you could never have a nice, serene, elevated, focused flow state. So the big shift is also recognizing that the more emotionally sensitive you are, which is constitutional for some people, they were that way when they were born, they were the colicky baby, the crying baby, they were more sensitive. The more sensitive you are, the more important it is that your sphere of influence be creating a non-hostile environment in your own body. So what I say to myself a long time ago, having had an autoimmune issue and thought, oh, now this is going to ruin the rest of my life. What, there, there's like nothing external that I ever want to allow to, to like start my whole system on fire inside of me and what people call the stress response. So if you think almost about yourself, like, again, you're, at, you're the house that you're living in. And you're going to live in this house the rest of your life. So do you want to light it on fire every time something external happens? Or do you want to keep it nice and cool and then recognize that you can select that at any time and you can still have discussions about things that you want to improve, but not from a reactive state. The reactive state creates pathology and that is just, that's what, that's what is the big paradigm shift. And, and I think, I just want to reiterate that for people listening, because they may not be aware of that, that when you are in the reactive state of frustration, irritation, oh, why did he have to put that there? Why did she say that? Why did this have to happen this way? Your body automatically goes into that fight, flight, freeze, fawn, four F's I call it, cortisol state that is a stress response. And so what Dr. Tracy's talking about is this creates inflammation in the body and this is ultimately what kills us. And so the goal is to recognize that you're, you have control over how you react or whether you react and actually translate it to responding, right? Um, and that's the emotional strength that she's talking about. And this is why it's vital if you're going to achieve brilliant health and you're going to live in a healthy house, you have to get control of your emotional reactions, which also means getting control of your thoughts and your beliefs. So what else is important when talking about gaining emotional strength. And I love how you talk about that. It's what do you talk about? It's um, emotional savings account. Yeah. Absolutely, Dr. Karen, because 
So, because this is, this is really an undertaking, right? Because we've got historical patterns, right? We've got that, we've got his, all this history with our ancestors, all of their response, all of their reaction patterns. We absorbed those growing up, no matter what our parents were saying, we were absorbing the reactive patterns, whether they said something in the reaction, whether they got distracted, went over here, whether they exploded, whether they went and, and drank or overate, we have absorbed those patterns. And so they're conditioned reactions. They're not even really what would happen if you didn't have those reactive patterns. Ideally, you want to be able to, okay, you want to say, you want to get to a state where you have changed your reaction into a productive response over and over and over again. So that at a certain point, and this is what's so fun about this, you have buffered that reaction and harnessed it into something productive so that you condition yourself now in a new way where somebody something will happen. You know, the, the, the FedEx man will ring the doorbell and what used my dog used to bark go crazy. I would have a response to that. I now have a conditioned response, which is very simple. The FedEx man is here. My body doesn't change. I'm not building pathology. And so otherwise you end up having so much pathology, you then end up chasing all of these symptoms when you really can address a lot by simply recognizing mm -hmm. you are reacting and that reaction is lighting your, your, your health and your, your, your house that you're living mm -hmm. in on fire. And in that moment, no matter how difficult it may feel, because you may want to strangle somebody, it may be that intense. Right. Shift that to what outcome do you want to create in that? And if it's, I want to strangle this person, that's my reaction. But what I really want is X, Y, Z outcome. Yeah. Then the moment you shift to like what I want to create, all of a sudden you're harnessing all of this pain, reactivity, and emotion into something that you have control over. Right. A game changer. That starts to become a way of being, just like the other stuff got conditioned. Now that becomes your new response pattern automatically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you think, uh, what's a real world example? Somebody's listening. So one thing that I deal with a lot with working with women is, and I've struggled with that too, is eating foods that aren't in our best interest. Yeah. Okay. Sugar. This is the big one. Oh, yeah. this, was me. this was me. I had a, a, an extreme, just to know about my, not saying everybody has, but I had an extreme eating disorder for 18 years of my life. This was my absolute nemesis, but it was also from the time I was little as an emotionally sensitive person, without the ability to buffer these reactions, I was in a lot of pain. So when you're in pain, which is produced by all these reactions, not by other people, that's the thing to know. You're not in pain from other people. You're in pain from your own reactive, re your own response. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to stop you there. So, because like, you're going to, a lot of people are like, what is she talking about? Ah. So, yeah. they're thinking, um, no, it's because 
my son doesn't do such and such and he doesn't behave the way I want and my friend did this to me and my employer is doing this and expects me to work extra hours for no extra pay. So can you help people get from that? Okay. It seems like that. I've lived there. I know that. It's like my dad isn't doing this and my mom isn't doing this and my husband isn't doing this. I live there. I absolutely live there, but the reality is, as an emotional scientist, as I study just the practical mechanics of people, right. is our own reaction to everything that creates, as you said, Dr. Karen, all of a sudden the, the, the four Fs and everything starts to create pain and, it's ex and it can be super extreme based on how much of that reactivity is allowed to continue. And this is why, and I'll speak about the food piece in a sec, but this is why catching those reactions, excuse me, <clears throat> harnessing them in anything productive so that they actually serve you is so critical because if you are in pain, which is always your own reactive state, you will have to escape it because we're not you know, you know this, if our arms chopped off, we are not geared to be like, my arms chopped off, I'm bleeding all over. We are either going to numb out, the, the, the body does an anesthetic for us, or we are going to get tourniquet, bandage, pain medication. And the pain medication piece is the food piece often for people. Mm -hmm. And if you are reactive, you will have these kinds of issues. So changing your reactive state means changing all of your body's chemistry so that you don't have coping chemistry. Because mm -hmm. if you have coping chemistry, you will use all kinds of things to cope and then you will have, have all kinds of other problems from that. So right? you're medicating, so, when you say cope, you're medicating the pain from your reactivity. Because any amount of reactivity, if I just do basic, we're just doing basic medical stuff here. Any amount of reactivity changes your chemistry and you're in what's called what I call coping chemistry. Mm -hmm. Coping chemistry, we are geared not to be in pain. We're geared to immediately do something. We just don't, we can't operate. We can't focus. So we start to do something. Whatever it is, it's typically not what we meant to do. Mm -hmm. Then people are fighting all of these issues with whatever it is, self-medicating, with alcohol shopping, eating and all of this is coming from the reactive state which creates the coping chemistry which creates tons of maladaptive coping mechanisms okay right and food was mine the other part that i want to give everybody which is really important is that we're often reacting from a younger emotional place we're not reacting from your wisest emotional adult that's 40 years old or whatever and knows what's going on. We're reacting from the seven-year-old self or the six-year-old self, 10-year-old self, the teenager. Mm -hmm. That set of reactivity makes it even bigger. And then you end up eating stuff because you're basically in an emotional child kind of reactive state. And mm -hmm. once and I want to invite everybody to always bring their emotional adult on board because you can be a chronological adult but not be a, an emotional adult in certain moments. 
-hmm. and your emotional adult self, like this, this changed my life. My emotional adult self knows what's good for me. And I don't want to hurt myself by overdoing something that's essentially a, a form of self abuse. Right. Right. So bring that emotional adult on board at any moment, say, all right, let's bring the emotional adult in the picture here. Let them, let that part of you make your choices. And that's going to lead you to a bunch of different outcomes. So if I'm listening and I know the first time I heard about this, your emotional child and I was like, what are they talking about? Sure. So some people haven't heard of this concept. So can you elaborate on what, it, what are you talking about that you have an emotional child and how does that happen and what, how do you address that and what, how okay. do you integrate okay. that? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. This is why I've studied this for 20 plus years, right? Yeah. To really look at it because by the way, everyone, part of what brought me to all of this is I grew up in a family of super highly driven, successful, but highly sensitive people who were constantly reacting all the time. And they were also reacting to things that had occurred a long, long time ago, right? I started to notice like my dad's life as an example was dictated by losing his dad at three and his stepdad at six. And I started to watch as a kid and as I went on in my life watching him and he was running a big company and some, some employee would make a mistake, his reaction was like a life or death reaction. Mm. But I recognized that's the little kid reacting to all the pain that he went through when his dads were subsequently killed in car accidents and all of the trauma, that all of the grief. And so my dad is a perfect example, and I have my own version of this, of reacting throughout his life to that and many things associated with that. And we call this trauma, but then people say, what does this really mean? What everyone wants to know is that anywhere in your life where you were in stress, trauma, stress, pain, and you did not have yourself there, which is why I like to bring people into connection with themselves, Mm -hmm. right? You're dependent on everyone else. You don't really have a connection to yourself. When that happened, that cemented reactive responses for the future. So whether it happened, it's three, six, 10, 12, 15, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you can be in a present moment. We've all been there and you are experiencing a reaction that is so disproportionate to the situation. Mm -hmm. And so why is that happening? Well, it's not just because you're just sensitive and reactive, it's because the reaction is potentially happening to your, from your 12-year-old self and something she went through traumatically, formed reactive experience to that, and then this thing, if it just feels a teeny bit like that, that reaction will show up. All the more important for us to grasp ourselves, recognize, and connect, radical self-inquiry, it's like, Tracy, what's going on right now? Oh, this is my 11-year-old self when such and such and such happened. And you can kind of get a sense of that, that part of you mm -hmm. showing up, reacting, and often people would say overreacting, and then carrying out a whole dramatic experience, which then ends up in lots of coping. And unfortunately, if you do this throughout your life, you're going to build real medical issues in yourself. And when you, when you connect to yourself, Dr. Karen, you can 
you can be aware that you're not even reacting to the situation. You're actually coming from a place that's a much younger part of you. Mm -hmm. And then that's a way you can like help yourself, guide yourself through that moment because every response that is disproportionate is about something that happened when you were younger. I love that you, you spelled that out so beautifully and I certainly have experienced that. And, um, you know, if you're listening, I want you to think about maybe some areas in your life where you have out of proportion responses to what's happening, certain things that really push your buttons, you know how we say that, she really pushes my buttons. Um, you know, for me, I, when I was four years old, I was left in the, I was put in the hospital with a broken leg in a crib I couldn't get out of with a, a cast all the way up to my hip. And so I was dependent on the nurses. They put me in an adult ward because the children's ward was full. And I was in a room with three adults. And then in the middle of the night, I had to go to the bathroom and no nurse would come. And it, it goes on and it gets worse from there. Um, but bottom line is I have big issues around people not being there for me. And sometimes I will totally overreact to the situation if people don't show up when they say they're going to or call when they say or do something they said they were going to do um again overreact and so that's something that i've noticed and work with and so if you're listening really ask yourself um what are some areas where you really overreact and maybe where could that come from so dr tracy once you start identifying this and they find an area and they say wow i really overreact about um when people um what's some what's a common thing that you see uh, uh i have a similar like somebody doesn't follow through with something doesn't follow through okay so that's a that's probably one for a lot of us it is because when we were younger, we were literally dependent on adults for life, every, everything. And let's just all be honest here and realize we have not in our culture ever prioritized a full-blown emotional education for our citizenry. Therefore, parenting is this big trial and error. Why would we do trial and error on the most important developmental thing going on expecting people who can procreate to have the emotional capacity that they need for whatever it is that their child you know presents to them and so we're dependent we were dependent on people that were often in their emotional child self reacting even though they look like adults in a chronological adult body our all of our parents throughout history who kicked butt in all kinds of ways were also operating adult lives from an emotional child place. And that really was uncomfortable for everyone every step of the way. So that reaction that you're talking about, I have the same one about somebody saying something, they're going to do something. That's from a very, very young place for me mm -hmm. and so for I, I appreciate the invitation you're giving everybody here my clients have fun with this at this point they're they're, they're the kind of people who say oh you know the other day x happened i noticed it was my 15 year old rebellious teenager she act, was wanting to act this way i harness all of that 
anger uh-huh. into an email that helped a client on some matter that was important to them. And I took all of that energy and put it into something that could support and serve rather than something that creates chaos and destruction in our own <laughs> self. Who knows who we're yelling at or whatever we're doing. If we know that our child self is not the one, our younger self is not the one who's going to do the best for us because uh-huh. if you're 45 and your 15 year old is, is happening all the time in all your situations, that's going to create like outcomes that a 15 year old would create not your 45-year-old, wise, experienced, mature, powerful self. Mm-hmm. So outcomes that feel like, hey, this is not what I meant, that's your younger self creating a mixed set of outcomes. And when you're doing your absolute best and you're like, I am rocking, that's your wisest emotional adult self mm-hmm. that's doing what you're really capable of. And that's the self we want you to be in all the time, mm-hmm. which is just a matter of conditioning yourself there. Right. And, you know, what you're really talking about, I love, is emotional literacy, which we have been emotionally illiterate, I think, for generations. I mean, you know, when you think about it, look at, well, our country and the United States. I mean, just the fact of having slavery is in a state of emotional illiteracy. <laughs> uh. God. And, and and so all of the injustices that we've had, and so I think we're really coming to this place now, and I love how you say you're going to train the first emotionally educated generation. So how do you work with people? You said you get them into their cells, and how do you really transform them? We really outline the problem to the solution and how they unwind this so that they can be successful in their lives, but also be healthy. Because their emotions have everything to do with your health. Uh, and I'll say, and also say, Dr. Karen, that my, my dad just recently passed away 25 years before his time. And I tracked his hip life the whole way. He ended up with six or seven autoimmune disorders, including Parkinson's and this stuff. And he never was willing, even though I was his daughter, he was never willing to face the emotional work to develop this part of himself. So he was basically 69 acting like a, you know, a six-year-old, unfortunately. And also, I just want to say something because I thought about this re- just in the last two days. The slavery piece, as this example, and I want to speak to this and she mentioned it, every bit of that emotional literacy is exactly what we're talking about because it's nothing more than a fear and it's a child's response to somebody of a different color or... What a, that's a child response. Mm. That is not an emotionally adult response. An emotionally adult response is we are human. That is obvious. It's factual. And the emotional child selves that are afraid are the ones that have created chaos and destruction. And this is a massive awakening of, to change this. No more school shootings. We don't need levels of anxiety, addiction, depression, autoimmune disorders going through the roof when we are also the smartest generation that has ever occurred and the most informed. So with all of that said, what I do uh, to help clients basically recondition all their reactive condition Mm -hmm. reactions into productive, intentional responses that just become automated. 
so what we do, we take them through a combination of things. I've got uh, an online course that people go through, which is quite extensive. Uh, and I don't mean to scare people away from that, but we're talking about changing thousands of emotional reaction patterns. So I walk people through on many different levels. In that part of it, I'm taking people through emotional and behavioral mechanics that mm -hmm. are practical, but you must do them over and over and over. Just the same way you would say, if I want six pack abs, you know, <laughs> but you do it in the course of your daily life because every moment you have a, a, re a reaction to everything. So I walk people through what are practical, tactical mechanics. Mm -hmm. if, over my career, I have listened to thousands of people tell me that they were in therapy for 20 years and still don't know the how to do it. Right. Right. And that's where I, I was one of them. And I said, I got to learn how do you change these intense moments, literally step by step. So that intense moment gets completely extinguished. I do that also with live training that clients do in conjunction. Mm -hmm an extensive amount of evaluation and they have lots of assessments that allow me to learn about every single one of these emotional reaction patterns that they're having mm -hmm. from that the combination of these factors and their absolute commitment to changing that emotional sensitivity and what it's doing to them and that reactivity to emotional strength mm -hmm. their commitment because these are highly driven people by the way over the course of three to six months, depending on the person and how reactive and sensitive they came in as, mm -hmm. that process allows people to truly create an immunity to all of this external stimulus. And it's just, it, it's just a, it's a game changer because you're talking mm -hmm. about every kind of addiction process, medical health issue and physical health issue. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times can people hear lower your stress and people go, what, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Right? It's that, I really think the how to is so lacking in mental health field. I'm just going to give my opinion here and reiterate what you're saying, because I really appreciate that you're taking a very proactive stance of you're not getting the results you want. You're not as happy as you want to be. This is why, and this is what you need to do. This is the path you need to follow to become emotionally literate, to have an emotional savings account, to be able to achieve the outcomes that you want. I really think that mental health, traditional mental health is so far behind um, even physical mental health because, you know, most forms of mental health are just, you go in and you just talk about what's on your mind and there's never any causative diagnosis made like you're talking about that you, you have these mental health problems because you have a disconnection from yourself because <laughs> you don't have a relationship with yourself because you were raised by by parents who were emotionally illiterate and you learned these conditioned responses and this is what we need to do to get better. I don't know what it's going to take for mental health to change, but until it does, I love that you're on the front lines yeah. leading people and helping them really get to the bottom root cause of why they're having the emotional disturbances that they're having. So thank you for doing that.
You are so welcome. I mean, I was just like everyone who has ever been in a therapy session. And you keep redefining and reliving the problem. Every minute that somebody was saying, well, you're upset because you want to be closer to your dad and he's not as emotionally available. I, I'd be like, yeah, great. So spent, you know, out of the 50 minute session, I got, we got about 35 to 40 real minutes on this, but that's not changing my reactive response to it. And I recognize it's not that I, 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 it's not about making the past irrelevant. It's about the fact that when you're reacting in the present moment, that reactive, if you are conditioned to react, you are not free. You are not happy. I don't care how successful you are. I worked with people on the Forbes 100 list. If you are reacting, you are miserable. You are not, you're not the person that you're meant to be. And even that 50 minute session process, now seven days is gonna go by of reacting and now we're gonna do what? This process is much more of a fun, elevating boot camp because I gotta take you through this training over a course of time that makes it so these reactions get extinguished and extinguished. I don't wanna take it out 20 years for 50 minutes a week while your life is passing you by and you're, and you're not, you're not creating the compounding effect of your contribution and legacy that you're meant to create. And here's the other thing, Dr. Karen, the most emotionally sensitive people are also the most important leaders we need. They bring the art, they bring the healing. They, we can't afford to have emotionally sensitive people not lead in their areas of expertise and bring their innovations. We need to be to emotionally as empathetic as they are, but as strong as they need to be to, to bring us to where we're supposed to be as a nation, as a world, as a society. Mm -hmm. And without that, we're, as you said, we're, they're, they're, we're really behind in just continuing to define the problem. We not, must have mechanics to change what happens right now. I don't care how, how, how you want to keep reliving the past, it's not going to actually help you get done what you want to get done in the present. Right, and, and it's so true. I just want to reiterate what you're saying. You know, a big part of my why I do and provide the type of medical care that I provide is because you'll never get optimally healthy or have brilliant health doing it the traditional way. And we need your gifts, and you can't deliver your gifts if you don't have brilliant health. And we need your gifts, and, and we need what you're offering in terms of healing that mental, emotional, and really it's, it's a spiritual connection also um, in order to deliver your gifts. And so if you're listening and you're sitting on your gifts, I say sitting on your assets, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting on your assets um, that people could benefit from, and you're doing it because you've got Hashimoto's or you've got an irritable bowel or you've got some health problem and you can't follow the steps that you need to follow because you're emotionally eating or you can't get yourself to work out because you've got some reactivity around that and you're just not able to care for yourself the way that you'd like, that is not freedom. <laughs> and yeah. 
yeah, my prayer is for women to be free. And that means free physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that they can deliver their gifts, which you are brilliantly doing. Thank you. Dr. Karen, this is why I love doctors like you and I combining. And I got to say to everybody, in my entire career, I have worked with amazing progressive integrative doctors like you, and you're on the cutting edge, Dr. Karen, because what I help people do on an emotional level is pivotal to the physiology. And what I need when I'm working with a client, there's always a, um, we, we always have an integrative doctor, functional medicine. We have a whatever progressive cutting physician helping treat these symptoms and which is key. We don't need to suffer the symptoms, but when we come at causal levels that, that are both emotional and in, in some cases physical, and we're looking at this person on a, on a truly holistic level in the real sense of the word then everything is possible. And my clients over the years have gotten optimal and to your point, brilliant health that you, that you help create because of the combination of the emotional, uh, the emotional reconditioning and the physiological reconditioning that, that people like you do. Right. And I love that you do that integrated approach with them. That's, I think it's brilliant and necessary to heal the issues you're talking about you definitely exemplify her brilliant health. I'd love it if you could share with everyone what that means to you. Ah, what it means to me is that, as I said earlier, that a person feels that they're, they're in an elevated state, right? They're in a state of being. Again, this is different than being high or, um, you know, a buzzed or something, but it's an elevated state where you feel all the systems of your being operating in the way that they were designed to, because the human being is this incredible system. The design is just, if you don't believe in something, you know, pow a powerful creator, mm -hmm. and that's just, that's really interesting to me because the human design is just epic. And when your own being can operate at, in the ways that it's meant to, Mm -hmm. then all of your cognitive capacity is available, all of your creative capacity, your emotional capacity to share, connect, communicate. Mm -hmm. And instead of feeling even an ounce of that stress response and that tension it creates, there's just a total flow in your system and your, your environment is not hostile. It's mm -hmm. a super friendly foundation for you to soar from and that's what brilliant health is to me i love that love that thank you for sharing that i have to ask you this i know we're short on time but i i just have to know your thoughts on it so the loneliness epidemic huge and loneliness now scientists and doctors estimate is the number one health risk factor for premature death and disease over smoking, sedentary lifestyle, high fat, high sugar diet, number of diagnoses, number of prescription. It's, it's up here as really is the number one. It's epidemic proportions. What are your thoughts on why we have that and what to do about it? I'm so glad that you asked because this is, as I trace this, as, as from the emotional science perspective, as I trace this, 
this, there, there is an entire, what I would consider like a terrible trajectory for people who are born more emotionally sensitive and don't really know exactly what that's about, how to be with it, how to, how to totally actualize your life with it and through it. And what happens is people go throughout their life and that sensitivity and, the, and what it creates is reactivity and inhibition in people, right? It creates inhibition. Emotionally sensitive people feel deeply. They want to express love, but then they're too overwhelmed. They're afraid. They're already thinking about what somebody's going to say or think about them. Their whole world is overly sensitive and overly processing. And they weren't trying to do that. That's part of their genetic constitution. So what happens throughout a life trajectory like that is so many relational issues happen because we don't have the emotional literacy and the emotional competency. So many things happen that create that level of pain and isolating as a coping strategy and apathy that comes from like stuff is just way too painful and people become apathetic. They become protective. And all of these coping things go on from having that coping chemistry that we were talking about earlier, which is just more reactivity. The compounding effect of that is that people are just sort of apathetically isolating. And then that is, is like all coping mechanisms like that. It's creating more of a problem because it's feeding the cycle of lowering people's neurochemistry. Mm -hmm. right? Because what do we want? We want to be in a great flow state and we want to connect and share that with other people and receive. Right. Here's Dr. Karen. I'll say emotionally sensitive people struggle to receive even when they're receiving what they want because it's too emotionally overwhelming for them. That's mm -hmm. a thing that we cover in helping people to be able to emotionally receive all that, that, that's happening for them. So this will continue. Many things like this will happen it, to your point. If we don't address people at the emotional level sooner and earlier. So what's to do about it? Number one, we want people to create a relationship with themselves so they at least have this amazing self that is there and they're monitoring, checking in, paying attention to that self. Follow the track of, of what would you do if you were taking care of this person and you're the parent to this child, right? You're the emotional adult taking care of this person. Doing what is in their best interest happens from the emotionally adult place, but the emotional child self will just sit around and not, not do what's in the person's best interest. Mm -hmm. You will elevate yourself to think like an emotional adult. You will be way more apt to do what is in your best interest and get into interactions and community and service and, 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 and engagement with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a way more complicated problem than we're going to solve right now. But I think that the work you're doing really will serve people to start to alleviate their loneliness and um, decrease their reactivity and improve their physical health. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared. How can people find out more? Where would you tell them to start? Because I know there are people listening who are read. They're like, oh my gosh, I need more of this. Got it. Okay. So especially with the topic that we just covered, 
one of the first ways to create that relationship with yourself, especially if that feels a little overwhelming and mysterious. If you, if you go to Amazon, you can buy my book called The Method, The Practical Path to Living Your Purpose and Potential. The method is an emotional training process. It's, it's connecting you to how to have a relationship with yourself, which will instantly change your chemistry and what you will do from there. You can also go to my website, which is drtracyinc.com, which is D-R-T-R-A-C-Y-I-N-C.com. And there's all kinds of resources there. You're going to be able to take an emotional sensitivity assessment, and you're going to be able to see different level services and resources available for elevating your emotional strength, capacity, and impact in the world. Perfect. I love it. The emotional sensitivity assessment. If you're listening and this is you, definitely want to go there and take that assessment and see all the wonderful resources Dr. Tracy has. She's really a powerhouse when it comes to helping people. So thank you so much for joining us. You have helped so many people with the information that you've delivered and with the work you're doing. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Dr. Karen.